Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Steering wheel. Lots of steering wheel. Welcome back inside the park for May for podcast number 749, the Italian Grand Prix review. No, Todd, not that. That's right. This is Todd, a.k.a. Negative Camber. And tonight, for your kind consideration, we are reviewing the Italian Grand Prix. I'm representing, for those of you on YouTube, I'm wearing my Italian shirt. But before reviewing the race, I have to introduce my guest tonight. You know him. You love him. Wrecked from out of the wasteland. He's bad. He's beautiful. He's crazy. It's... Hello, everybody. This is Paul Charlesley, the international. It's Paul... Wait, I got to point this way. It's Paul Charlesley. Paul, how are you doing? I'm all right. (laughs) It's been a hectic weekend. It's been a hectic weekend. Just flew him back from um, Laguna Seca. And, you guys uh, got a little the, roughed up out there this we weekend. We did get a little roughed up. Yeah, was people were using. Well, I, didn't, I, I didn't think we painted targets on our car, but it seems like um, we we did. So yeah. Uh, yeah, we got hit by the sanctioning body and by the competitors this weekend. <laughs> so it was. Yeah. You know, not everyone's going to be a, a. Yeah, we are on the podium again, but oof, yeah, yeah, it was. It was. A, it was a tough, tough weekend. Quite honestly, tough weekend. Yeah. 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 Mm, well, yeah. Managed to scrape something out of it, so we're still in the hunt for the championship. That's but, right. Uh, you're in P two. P three now. P three. Okay. So but, you're but trying to close. get a whiff. Yeah, it's close. We're we're leading the sprint championship still. Yeah. But uh, there's a sprint with just for the shorter races and then the overall, which includes Daytona and Sebring and Petit Le Mans as well. So yeah. we're, 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 we're still right there. You have, uh, is it next week uh, at Laguna? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, we were at Laguna. We're going to Long Beach. Oh, Long Beach. In I'm a week sorry. and yeah. a half. Yeah. A week and yeah. a half. Yeah. So I'm excited about Long Beach. Long Beach is a great event. It's going to be interesting to see what it's like with the COVID rules and over there because they're pretty strict down there for that. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, the track and the events always been really, really great fun to be to at. So yeah, yeah. We, we're just going to shrug it off yep. and move on, move on. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Paul, there was an Italian Grand Prix this weekend at Monza. Everybody's talking about it. We might as well just jump right into it and talk about the crash. So whose fault <laughs> was it, Paul, Mazapan or Schumacher? <laughs> it was obviously Mazapan. Yeah, you know, clearly he apologized. Yeah, did he? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, 
All right. Now that we got the big crash out of the way, right. we can talk about the actual Grand Prix. Yes. Good grief. I just want to get that off our shoulders. You know? I, know. I don't want to belabor the whole damn podcast over this crash. Okay? Yeah, just... It's just the importance of Mazapan's career is on, on everyone's mind. It so. is. It is. Everybody's worried about yeah. that, as they should be. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Paul, it was always going to be hard to replicate the excitement, the energy, the grandeur, and the glory that was Zandvoort, right? Right. Uh, what, a, what a great race that was. But I have, have to, orange dye, I think. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And orange smoke bombs. So mm-hmm. I uh, but I have to hand it to our Italian friends, man. They did a great job this weekend. It yeah. was only like half capacity. And uh, to all of you Italians out there, great job. Great fans. As always, the Tifosi are awesome. Uh, Monza put on a great show this weekend, despite the the doldrums that was the sprint race the actual race itself was a glorious event and uh, had tremendous amount of action certainly paul they talk about this track and they talk well you know it's not a big passing track but boy we saw a lot of that yes there was a lot of drs infused efforts but there was some great passing that wasn't um this is a tough old track it's a legacy iconic track for a reason paul you know there's only 11 turns on there but boy you got to get them right Yes, you do. As as we've spoken about before, just like uh, the Red Bull ring, you know, the mm. smaller the turns, it measures the importance so much. And even though there's, what did you say, 11 turns? Yeah. You know, half of them are, are all one turn anyway with the chicanes, et cetera, right. right? So so it's, you know, there's really, you've got to talk about braking areas rather than even um, corners. So there's, you know, maybe four braking areas. So yeah, you've got to get it right. You've got to get the car stability in there. You've got to get that um, balance between no aero, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And yet having enough grip to actually get the car slowed down and get it through some of those corners. And because um, it, it is interesting, they do run very low downforce, but there are some significant corners that would benefit from good downforce. So getting that balance right is is exceptional. And then the drivers have to be um, very precise and consistent every time because you give up that little bit and that little bit is going to hurt you with those long straights uh, yeah. for a very long time and allow other competitors to get by you. So, yeah. And in some way, there was little errors. I mean, if you if you don't get the braking zone right, Paul, and you scrub uh, eight tenths or a second off during, you know, in that chicane, that's just compounded down that straight, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it I mean, adds up what, lap after lap. Yeah. 101 in racing school is you find the longest longest straight away and you move to the corner before that and that is there's your most important corner right yeah uh, because that everything you do there is compounded for a very long time of the lap so if you come right. out two miles an hour faster you're two miles an hour faster for you know instead of a good percentage of the lap so yeah it's very very important to minimize mistakes but maximize corner speed which is yeah. always the game really yeah that's pretty much uh the whole key <laughs> to your world isn't it it yeah. is yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's a tough old track and it produced a great race certainly you know we entered this race with mercedes you know we're really the quicker car monster and right. Red Bull were given, given a few gifts over the weekend mm-hmm. um, to be on pole and be as competitive as they were uh, with very little wing on that Red Bull. They, you know, they were really kind of in the catbird seat heading into this weekend, knowing that the Mercedes is probably the fastest car at the track. Right. Um, and it was uh, so it was really setting up for a great race. It was the second sprint race of the season that they're testing out. Just want to get your thoughts on that sprint race and kind of what you thought about now that we've had a couple of them. 
Yeah, a couple of them. Uh, not much has changed except, yeah, very similar to the other one where you're just trying to minimize anything negative. You know, you've done your qualifying, you go into this qualifying race, and I think everyone's in protection mode. No one's out there just yeah. hanging it all out because, as we've seen, we've seen losers in the qualifying races. We haven't seen a lot of winners, right? Um, so, you know, with Perez and then what mm-hmm. happened to Gasly, et cetera, it's a lot to give up after all that work you've done in practice and in qualifying, et cetera. So I think basically when they get into that race, they're just kind of trying to stay where they are. And then as we saw in the big race, you know, once the gloves are off and the real, real prizes are out there to uh, be achieved that they, they, they can, you know, the the track somehow transformed itself into a proper race. Right. So I think it's the mindset of everyone just to protect yourself. And um, that's kind of, the kind of races we're getting, which is probably not going to be a thrill a minute. Yeah. Well, there's so much on the line. It's like go out and drive, but whatever you don't damage the car, you know, you kind of get right. the, in, in the sense that everyone's protecting position and driving at 75%. And you bring up the great point, Paul, when you juxtapose the sprint race, first 18 laps of that and the first 18 laps of the actual race, which is where the money is, yeah. it is a markedly different race. You know? Yeah, I mean, if if they if they separated the qualifying from the sprint race results, you might see something different, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, but of course, as you say, they're still starting to protect the car because they they want a race car for Sunday. Yeah. Um, but if you, you know, if somehow the qualifying was separated and there was extra points for the sprint race and it was a, a singular event not affecting the rest of the weekend, you might see a bit more action. But as as yeah. the process is right now, it's just not going to happen. I don't see it. Yeah, so jury's out on that for me uh, as we speak. Well, let's talk about the race. Let's jump into it before we get to uh, the crash I was actually alluding to uh, earlier. We have to start at the top of the podium with McLaren, with Lando Norris and P2, Dana Ricardo, P1. Now, you could say that McLaren were hanging about this weekend to pick up the pieces if anyone stumbled, but that's not really the whole story. McLaren were there or thereabouts all weekend long and were in those positions. They were in on merit, hassling the Red Bulls and the Mercedes cars all weekend long, including in qualifying the sprint race. And then on Sunday, so they're, they were there legit, you know, that Mm -hmm. car, for whatever reason, that track, that configuration, that aero load with that Mercedes power McLaren were there and they were there to be real contenders all weekend long. Ricardo had a great start took the lead from Max and then held off the Red Bull for the first stint. Dan boxed on lap 22, took on hard compounds and was in control of the race despite his teammate, you know, uh, sort of running tail gunner, calling him to pick up the pace uh, because uh, Lando was feeling some pressure. What from, else she going to do? Yeah. Well, right. You know, and he's uh, Lando is a little bit under pressure from Lewis. Uh, so, but a fantastic return to form for Daniel, because let's be honest, he's not fared well since moving to McLaren. And this, re- this is a result he desperately needed great return to form for Dan driving like the Dan that we all know and love. Um, and to be honest with you, he got out of the car and he said, I, I'm at a loss for words. And that's saying something. For Dan <laughs> that Ricardo, is. You know? He wasn't at a loss for smiles though. So that was yeah, good. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, going into Monza, we thought, you know, McLaren have showed their straight line speed um, mm. before and some of the tracks haven't been, have been, really showed what they had, but I think there was a potential always before even the weekend started with the new McLaren are going to be very, very strong. Um, 
and yeah, they showed it all the way through um, with, with qualifying super, super important. And the other teams, you know, maybe they chipped up a little bit. Obviously, Botas had, you know, had the start of the back and yeah. he was, you know, it might have been a different story if he hadn't had his penalty. But um, that's that's what a season is, right? Yeah. There's winners and losers and they, you give up some and you get you gain some in different places. And uh, this time it was McLaren's turn. Um, what impresses me is that we were talking about the track and how important getting the braking under control mm -hmm. um, is probably more important than anything because that sets the stage for the whole corner. And that's something that Dan struggled with, uh, which was his, you know, strong point that all, all the other teams he's raced for is, you know, Dan on the brakes is better than, you know, anybody out there. And he's been struggling to be as good as Lando. Um, so I think Monza proves that maybe he's got, it figured out um, mm -hmm. on on how to get the best out of those brakes and and adapt the car to his style. Um, obviously, it's really close between those two guys, uh, which is great to see too. But yeah, it was it was an impressive, heady drive. He's won a lot of a lot of Grand Prix already, so he's not going to fall to pieces when in being in the lead. Um, but this was you know just like he can now now breathe right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, just a fantastic drive and an and effort by the, the whole McLaren team, quite honestly. Yeah, well, Lando, as you mentioned, had a terrific race, held off Lewis at the start, uh, and then keeping the seven-time champion behind for most of the first stint anyway. Uh, Lando is pressing Dan because Lewis is pressing Lando, but he played in the end, he played the team game, didn't do anything stupid, had a mega restart, I might add, uh, on the restart after the safety car. That was some seriously brave moves against uh, Charles Leclerc. Right. Great oh, battle. Yeah. Yeah. Great battle there. Um, and what a return to form in aggregate for the team, who, you know, just as a, a reminder, I mean, they they were desperately looking for outside investors just a few months ago to keep sort of the lights mm -hmm. going. And, yeah. and uh, you know, that was just a few short There's months ago. There's a lot ago. of people on sabbatical over there, oh, McLaren, yeah. I'll tell you that. You you pick up the phone. There wasn't many people answering for a while. So Yeah, they had that, you know, they were impacted by COVID quite a bit with the shutdown and everything else. And so this win puts them squarely in the best of the rest category position for third in the Constructors' Championship. And this is, you know, this is, if you go back a few years when Red Bull were very unhappy with Renault and they were looking for a different engine supply, this is why Mercedes was reticent about selling engines to Red Bull. Because Red Bull has the aero package down with Adrian mm -hmm. Newey, right? And they knew putting that Merck engine in a Red Bull would be instant competition. Well, yeah. I got news. <laughs> if McLaren does get this chassis sorted, they have instant competition and they may rue the day they agreed to sell Zach Brown engines. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, McLaren, obviously they were in, in a, in trouble. I'm not sure they're completely out of it. Right. But you know, they're in a different place than Ferrari who have been a manufacturer for decades. Sure. They're a small, even though they make very cool, very expensive cars, they're still a small, sports car manufacturer right. and they're trying to balance that with a Formula One team. Whereas I said, Ferrari are a manufacturer and they've, you know, they're, they're fully protected with yeah. their funds and then Red Bull are being funded separately. They're not, not got anything to do with building road cars. So it put them in a bit of a pickle for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, what Zach did with bringing in Lando um, initially and, and then just the whole vibe of the team, I think is yeah. super, super positive, which um, is, is fun to see. Now I think Lando, was a little bit lucky um, in his positioning because obviously he 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 did lose a slot at the start, 
right. um, and due to Lewis and uh, Max going at it, enabled Lando to get get that position back, and then he he made hay while while the sun shone at that point, and and definitely backed up Dan. Um, you know, he wasn't going to do anything silly. I mean, you can say what you want on the radio. I mean, I'm sure he he's had more time at McLaren than Dan, and you know, I'm sure he felt he he deserved the guy to reap the rewards first. Um, but that's the way it is. He's, he is going to get his time, um, and you know, his job was you know basically to protect Dan at that point, which he which he did um, very very well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, look if you're if you're British and you're you're you know ready for another hero lando is is certainly a contender the guy oh yeah incredible drive fantastic and what a testament to all of the hard work uh, for all of the men and women over in woking uh, mm-hmm. to pull this off and turn it around and and zach coming in and facing really difficult times to bring in the right manager like andreas seidel you know coming in and turning that team around and giving yeah, them room to that breathe. guy has been pivotal he's oh, yeah. yeah i said zach you know He's got his strengths individually, but one yeah. of the big ones is choosing the right people to be in the right place, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Great, great result. I am elated to see McLaren up there. Mm-hmm. One, two, first one, two finish for McLaren since 2010. It's mm. a big result. More than a decade, it is. Yeah, it's yeah big good result. To see. So well great, done. Great, great to see. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about second place. You got Mercedes um, with uh, Lewis Hamilton, a DNF, Valtteri Bottas, and P3. Let's jump into <laughs> the fray and we'll talk about this. Lewis had a better start than he did on Saturday, moved up behind Max only to miss an aggressive move, which dropped him uh, down on that first lap, dropped him behind Lando uh, for running wide and cutting the chicane. Uh, and he got behind Lando, very similar to the sprint race, stuck behind Lando for most of the first stunt, but a slow stop by uh, Mercedes, about a four or four or five second stop, put him in the crosshairs of Max as he uh, came together in turn one as Lewis exited the pit. So Lewis is coming out the pits, uh, going slower than Max. Max had a lot more speed. They both get into turn one uh, and collide in turn two. Both drivers refused to give way. Uh, Lewis's left rear a tire hit Max's or Max's right rear tire. Either way, hit Lewis's left. Um, this launched the Dutchman up and over the top of Lewis with the halo protecting his head for sure from a very a large rear wheel, leaving Lewis to say that he's very grateful for the halo and lucky to be alive. Certainly it uh, uh, was rolling over the top of the car and, and certainly the close-up shot. You can see that rear tire rolling over the top of the halo. So kudos to halo on that. Uh, the clash was ultimately pinned on Max, and Team Lewis Hamilton fans were satisfied that that was the right decision to try and calm down Max's aggressive driving style for sure. But the stewards' decision seems to be a little bit off to me, given the incident uh, and the result and penalty in Silverstone when you, you when you juxtapose the two. The stewards said this, Paul, quote, The stewards observed on CCTV footage that the driver of car 44 was driving an avoiding line, although his position caused car 33 to go onto the curb. But further, the stewards observed that car 33 was not at all alongside car 44 until significantly into the entry into turn one. 
Uh, in the opinions of the stewards, this maneuver was attempted too late for the driver of car 33 to have a, quote, right to racing room, which I find mind boggling at that point. I watched the review. He was significant. I, I even tweeted pictures. He was significantly alongside Lewis mm-hmm. into turn two. Um, it almost seems to suggest that the the element now has been moving be, uh, ahead of the curve and really about the braking zone at this point, saying right. that he wasn't significantly alongside in the braking zone. Well, if that's the litmus test, wow, yeah. we could go back and look at a lot of altercations uh, and rejudge those from that standpoint. Um you have to understand that Max was going down the straight at full chat. Lewis is coming out of the pits, not at full chat yet. They both, you know, came together. And Max, Lewis is on cold tires too. So he's, he's on cold performance tires. is not going to be there. So. It's not going to be like Max's. Right. So Max breaks late into the, the braking zone, as you would expect a car at full chat with hot tires to yeah. go in deep. Turned in, Lewis is on cold tires coming out of the pit. Lewis ran Max out to the edge of the track, which I got no issue with. That's what you do uh, to try to make it difficult. Max turns in well alongside Lewis into turn one. And then there's that moment. Lewis left that enough room on the entry into turn one. Max took it. There's a gap there. And then all of a sudden, the de- gap starts to close. Uh, Max hits the sausage curves, bounces his car up, hits the rear tire, launches him over the top. Mm-hmm. So I watched the video multiple times back, and I very much agree with Martin Brunder and Paul Duresta. I feel like it was certainly a racing incident. I don't fault Lewis in this. He had yeah. a choice. I don't fault Max in this. I think I- impacting the championship with a grid penalty is excessive. I'm also a little bit curious about Lewis being surprised that Mac didn't, you know, he made kind of a big deal in the press about Max. Well, he didn't really stop and check to see if I was, you know, okay. And that's what we do. Well, I watched the video back. Max gets out of the car. He looks over to Lewis and Lewis is over there actively trying to back his car out. So I think mm-hmm. Max thought, well, clearly he's okay. He's trying to back his car out. Right. You, don't, you know, I thought that was a little specious given that Mercedes were celebrating and Max was a little torque that they were celebrating at Silverstone mm-hmm. while he's at hospital and everybody slated Max for even hinting that. Right. And I thought right. that was a little tedious. Um, but I see everybody parroting this and I see everybody saying to Max on social media, you were trying to kill Lewis. It was deliberate. You were trying to kill him. You were hitting the accelerator. It was like, oh my gosh, you people, (laughs) you people have lost your effing mind. It was unbelievable. In the end, neither driver is going to give any room. No, that's just the reality of it. Now, we've seen this before from Max plenty of times, but we've seen this from Lewis plenty of times with Nico Rosberg and others when he was younger. It's it's not in their nature to lift, and that's what makes them the the fantastic drivers that they are and the, the fierce competitors that they are. Um, it's easy just to... Just like Mazepan. Just like yeah. Mazepan, absolutely. He's not going to give it... Yeah. That's right. Not give anyone no any prisoners. room. He's not giving any room. That's not his nature. He's a great... Oh. Um, but it's easy to armchair this thing and say that Max should have lifted and cut the chicane. But, you know, you can do that. I guess my point is, you know, you can sit in an armchair and watch that. If you can make those decisions in nanoseconds and when you see a gap and you're trying to go through it and... 
you know, trying to go through the open door and you're alongside a competitor, maybe you should be driving that Red Bull instead of Max Verstappen because that all happens in nanoseconds. Conversely, I would argue, well, Lewis could have lifted. Uh, because we know from a few races ago when, you know, everybody made a big point at Silverstone. Well, you know, when you're on the outside trying to do that on the outside, you know, you're going to you're going to pay for it. And, you know, you know, the chances you're taking. Well, Lewis is on the outside here. He could have lifted. He didn't. Right. Mm-hmm. So all of this pretzel logic to undo all the points you made at Silverstone and now remake the same points doesn't really float with me. Um, Look, I'm not British and I'm not Dutch. I don't have a knife in the fight from a national standpoint. What I don't like is is, uh, the hypocrisy of this. I was... With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Particularly sensitive, Paul. Now, I like Damon Hill as much as the next guy. We share the same birthday. I like Damon Hill a lot. Yeah. But for him to get on the broadcast after the race and intimate that Max did it on purpose, I find that incredibly base. Yeah. And and just as ridiculous as those people that said Lewis did it on purpose at Silverstone. Right. It's Yeah. He's, he's, he's emulating something that happened to him, but... It's different circumstance completely. Different circumstance completely. And I mm-hmm. you know, I feel for Damon what he went through all in those years ago. But, you know, for Total Wolf to intimate that it was uh, on purpose, I find that just really out of control. Everybody said, you know, what Christian Horner said at Silverstone was dog whistling and hatred. It caused hatred to against Lewis and all that. I think what Total Wolf did this weekend caused a lot of hatred towards Max by mm. suggesting that it was a a, a, a professional malicious, yeah. or malicious, uh, whatever he called it, a foul. Yeah. Um, in football parlance, um, I. You know, on retrospect, if you looked at, I just think that's ridiculous. Uh, but on retrospect, I think, you know, could Max, should he have probably lifted and cut the chicane to fight another corner? I, I, maybe, um, maybe he could have done that. Uh, but I think both of them went into that corner, Paul, knowing that if they come out behind the other, they're going to play hell. getting around each other they knew the points are on the line and they knew their respective pace yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and so both of them went into the corner neither of them are going to give um and that's what you get it's just good hard racing at that point it's unfortunate but boy i gotta be honest i the 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 logic and the comments you know has just been ridiculous but anyway how did you see it from your perspective yeah i mean what you got here is a battle of wills right I mean, the the it's not just about the corner. It's about the championship. It's about the f- next year. It's you know neither one is going to give an inch. I definitely thought 
the the move was on. I mean, I definitely thought Max had a right to be there. Kind of, you know, when you, when you look back at the first incident where Max and Lewis clashed earlier in the day, you know, Max kind of sent the message pretty early that Lewis wasn't going to be given room alongside. Um, Lewis, you know, you know, I mean, that's his choice. He, he, he didn't, he didn't push Max out. He gave him room. He gave him just enough room. It's, it's, it was a matter of inches quite, I mean, millimeters really. I mean, those, those curbs, the sausage curbs, et cetera, you know, once you get on there that you're not really in complete control of your car at that point. But I think being where Max was, when he was, was fully, uh, um, justifiable i don't think he was doing anything wrong there i think you know one of these guys had to give for them both to get through that corner both of them kind of i'd say it's 50 50 right um one of them could have given and they both could have made it but neither of them were going to yeah. so there they go they drive off the end of the cliff right so right and and that's and that's what you do and and, uh, and i agree i think it's just a racing instant this is what these these two guys have to figure it out together the, the, we're not going to come up with like 5,000 different minuscule rules to nullify hard racing as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, the, the incident earlier, I, I, I was thinking it was more egregious than, than that one, quite honestly. And Lewis, you know, at that moment chose, okay, I'm not going to keep fighting with Max. We're not going to clash wheels. I'm going to move on to fight another day because it was early on in the race, right? right. Um, this came to a pivotal part, part in the race where basically whoever came out of that chicane ahead was going to win, <laughs> beat yeah, the yeah. other one, really. Right. And um, neither one wanted to give that up. And I think it, the, the penalties, et cetera, I still think, you know, as we always go back to, it's based on the outcome of the, of the clash. You know, if they're banged wheels a little bit and wanted to go off on the dirt, et cetera, maybe no one would have been saying anything because it was such a spectacular uh, point at the end where one car's on top of the other, the wheel's spinning, the halo's working. You know, it, it's like someone's got to pay for this, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's <laughs> and just, in the yeah. end, they, 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 made, they, they gave it to Max. And I, I, I think, you know, I'm, I don't think there should be a penalty at all. And I definitely think no. grid penalty is, is um, very harsh. Um, going back to my sob story from this weekend, right? So right. it's like, you know, you give people, you know, we, we unfortunately got put, we were right up front and we got put all the way to the back of the field due to like just a procedural um, infringement. At that point, you know, you've you got to pass 12 cars to get even get in a hunt and win. It's like a massive, massive um hit on your race weekend and, and yeah. therefore you know we're, we're talking about three grid places but we know that a lot of these teams are, are pretty handy right now it's not just not going to be very easy for max to make up that 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 ground so there the the ruling this penalty is playing a pivotal part in championship points and maybe who wins the championship at the end of the year and i don't think this incident should have any part in that no, I totally agree. I think you're impacting, artificially impacting uh, the championship. Um, in Silverstone, Lewis got a time penalty. Right. Not a grid place, right? Now, I understand it was during the race or, or after the race or whatever, uh, during the race that happened. But um, that doesn't impact the championship. You know, you got to yeah, – I mean, he went on to win anyway. But, you know, but still – Irrespective I mean, it of could, the result, it could impact the championship. It could, but not as not as I guess 
straightforward as a three place grid penalty, right? Yeah. So that's a very difficult thing. And and I look at the the um uh look at the situation like you said, oh wow, it was a dramatic outcome. Okay, we gotta somebody's gotta blame. Well, it to me, like you said, it's a fifty fifty deal. It's a racing incident. Fernando Alonso said it was a racing incident. So did other drivers said that. Martin Brundle said it. Paul DeResta, what I feel like was one of the few talking sense there even well i think maybe ted kravitz felt like it was a racing incident too you know but but for damon and everyone i've seen lots of people on social media just parroting what damon said well you know i think what really happened is max had he had the red mist because he was mad about the 11 second pit stop so he came out he was suffering from red mist and just went in there and delivery thought well either i make it through the corner or we're both out and there's no impact in the championship and i'm thinking yeah. dude how in the hell do you know that he had red mist did yeah. he say he did did the team say he did after he got out of the car he seemed actually pretty calm about the whole damn thing when they asked him about it he didn't come out raging about it Right. You know? Right. I mean, I mean, you got to think it's in racing terms, that situation, it's what he had to do. You know, Lewis is coming out on colder tires. He had a run on him. You know, we know, you know, once you get behind dirty air, et cetera, it was like his opportunity yeah. to do it. It wasn't red mist. It was prime opportunity. And if he wasn't going to take it, not to replay that, that center, you know, saying to Jackie Stewart again, but if, if you don't go for that gap, you're no longer a racing driver. And that's exactly right. the gap you're, I mean, he didn't want to have to do that right. because he, he would much rather have been ahead of him when they when they coming at, when he was coming out of the pits. But that was the opportunity, and as as I've talked about, you know, when when you get to a car, if you don't make that first move right away, you can be mm-hmm. stuck there forever. You yep. know, because yep. they'll start to figure out everything. You know, the tires will equalize, the arrow will get in the way. So you have to take the opportunity when it strikes. That was the opportunity to strike. Max tried. You know, they they. You know, yeah, the, and does, the battle does, of wheels, right? And does Max pass. know that Lewis is difficult to get around? Hell yes, he knows yeah. that. Yes, he yeah, and Lewis he knows how fast that Mercedes in the straight line too, and and especially at this track. So mm-hmm. you know, he knows. I mean, Lewis is nobody's chump. He's yeah. damned hard to get around. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's absolutely that situation where you make that determination. This is that opportunity. And so I think it's pretty specious to have to back all the way up to the breaking zone to make, justify your, your punitive action. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, Lewis is given, given width on the left. Yes. It's not like he, he was. Yeah. Absolutely. uh, He knew knew what was going on. He knew what was going to happen when they were coming in. And then, you know, oh, Max did this was like, he's not in control of Lewis either. He doesn't know exactly what Lewis is going to do no. every split second. So he's making his best judgment that this is a legitimate move, which I believe it was. And that the outcome was millimeters. You know, his, you know, it could very easily if they both come out equal yeah. side by side, which we saw in a, in a few other passes. Right, right. right. In this and I feel like no one's listening to kind of what Max actually said. And they said, well, the telltale sign is because, you know, in the past, uh, uh, Helmet and Christian would have been just seething and outraged and saying all kinds of stuff, but they were low key about it. So they knew he was in the wrong. Mm. No, it's because you guys all threw a hissy fit and 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 can't stand Christian and called him whining and all that yeah. stuff. So and who wants to engage muted. in that? Mess Nobody wants to there, right? from no. a brand. You don't want to yeah. go through that from a Red Bull brand mm. perspective. So just you know, bite your tongue and move on. But 
you hate it when he does say something. And when he doesn't say something, that's admission of guilt. I, I find the yep. logic, you know, completely untenable. Yep. Yep. But here's the other thing. Um, you know, suggesting, uh, and I feel like nobody really actually listened to what Max said. When he got out of the car, he said there was space, there's a gap there. He was well alongside of it. And he was, he, and he knew that it was going to take two of them to make this work. Mm-hmm. And he was expecting Lewis to give enough room so they could both get through. He knew there was a percentage that they, they wouldn't, but yeah. he was banking on Lewis giving enough room so they could both get through yeah. there. Or, or, or he knew maybe what Lewis can do, but doesn't mean, but if you give up that fight, then you've given up the fight. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. And we know Max, he's not that kind of driver, but what no. we also learn is neither is Lewis. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. I'm not blaming Lewis for the accident at all. I'm saying they both went in. They both, Lewis gave some room, got on the entry. Max is going full chat down the straight. Hot tires braked in the braking zone, was well alongside. There was, and Lewis squeezed him. Paul, in the history of racing, has closing the door and pinching people at apexes, is that an unheard of thing? <laughs> I've done it a few times myself. <laughs> that that is racing, mm-hmm. is it not? You yeah, know? I mean it's it's push and shove. It's big boys yeah. elbows out. You know, you see it in other sports. You know, you don't see everyone in basketball just oh no, you go ahead and take a shot. Then yeah. once we get the ball back, well, you know, no, it's pushing, there's shoving, there's there's trying to f- find room. There's yeah. and that that happens in race cars just at a, a bit of higher speed. But that's what right. sport is. You know, yeah. It's it's trying to gain the advantage and pushing your en- enemy as far as you can, you know, to get get that advantage, and that's what you do. Yeah, yeah. it's what you do. It's what, to be quite frank, it's why I like Lewis Hamilton because he's not afraid to get his elbows out and get in there, yeah. and that's what yeah, makes him a champion. And he's and he's you know, and there are I think there's times <clears throat> things you learn as you go on where you know where those lines are where this is just never going to work and it's no point in doing it or this is a 50 50 or you know you you weigh the percentages in your mind Mm -hmm. as you go along um and i think maybe lewis is a bit further along than max but i'm not saying max has got it wrong at all um you you just know when when it's time to hold them when it's time to fold them you know so um and this was one of those times where it was like all for all for all for grabs, you know. And uh, well, I you know I think I don't know. I was thinking about it uh, earlier today. I was thinking, you know, I, I have to think in 2016, Nico Rosberg had that moment to had he had to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Either I'm going to stop lifting and acquiescing in situations with Lewis. Yeah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Or we're going we're gonna to bang wheels and hit each other, but I am not going to lift. And play wet nurse to Lewis Hamilton, right? Because then you'll be a good number two. Because then you'll be Valtteri Bottas. You'll yep. be Valtteri Bottas. Right. And Nico was absolutely convinced he wasn't going to. And when he raced, and you know, on all those altercations that Nico got into with Lewis, Lewis could have lifted, but Lewis isn't 
he's not a chump either. He's not going to. Right. So in order to fight Lewis, you got to be willing to go in there mm-hmm. and give it the elbows and and rebound hard, and you got to go after it. Nico did it, and he won, and Max is doing it now, you know? Yeah. And and Lewis is def- fighting right back in the same uh, measure, and I would expect that. That's what makes this such a great season, you know? Yeah, and we, d- we don't want to nullify this stuff. We no, want the racing no. to continue, but if you just keep bringing in these rules and keep psychoanalyzing yeah. everybody and everything, then everyone's just may as well just go home. Yeah. It's silly. Handing out mm-hmm. a three place good penalty is just silly in my mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then finally, by the way, Valtteri Bottas started last and finished on the podium in third place. And he was the fastest Mercedes all weekend long. <laughs> he was, he's like the forgotten man of this weekend. Yeah. Right? yeah. Unfortunately for him. Yeah. yeah. Fastest uh, Mercedes all week long. Yeah. Great race. Great recovery. Um, just ran out of tires there at the last, I think, um, couldn't really mount much of a, uh, go for second place, but a, a, a great race uh, nonetheless. And kind of, kind of seems like this weekend, he just, I don't know, maybe, maybe he was just a little more relaxed knowing what his future is mm-hmm. and he's got a ride and he doesn't have all that pressure and he just kind of right. let him run and he ran. Right. Yeah. Yeah, good for Valtteri. All right, Red Bull, Vax for Stop and DNF, Sergio Perez P5. Max had some luck on Saturday to get pole position, but while he had a good start during the sprint race, he got jumped by Daniel on Sunday, spent the first stint trailing the McLaren and managing his medium tires. Uh, Max had a miserable stop with the mechanic forgetting to push the uh, button on his uh, wheel gun, which signifies that the wall's secure. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Not going to work here anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to work here anymore. We find it's just best to fix the glitch. Um, Yeah, that cost him 11 seconds which put him in the clutches of Lewis at that point, And we know the rest of that story. So uh, up until then, uh, you know, it was a good race. Uh, uh, but, you know, he was struggling. And this is back to your point about the momentum of, of McLaren. You know, it wasn't like, wasn't like he was all over the back of Dan. I mean, he was struggling with the mediums. The wear rate of those mediums was difficult. That was a challenge. Yeah. Losing the rear end. Um, you know, he had his hands full trying to stay up there. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um so they yeah, have it. We know how they we know how it all ended, right? Um, but uh, yeah, the Red Bulls. I, I think it's great. I mean, you got the McLaren, the Red Bulls, the Mercedes, yeah. all fighting it out at Monza. When sometimes you get here and you already, you know, already buy your ticket on who was going to win. So, yeah. um, R- Red Bull's car is, yeah, it may, may may not be as great, you know, here as it maybe was at a couple of other tracks, but definitely in the game, and they're certainly managing yeah. that car to eke the most out of it. Yeah, they definitely are. Well, Sergio had a bad qualifying again. This is kind of his Achilles heel here. Um, And then he got a five-second penalty for passing Leclerc by cutting the chicane, not giving the spot back immediately. Otherwise, he would have been on the podium and finished uh, in third. And Red Bull really needed that third, uh, but they Mm -hmm. didn't get it, you know. And this is... This is those setting down and these are those coaching moments for Christian. (laughs) And Sergio's like, dude, gonna need you to pick that game up. Um... (laughs) You know, yeah, I, I, I oh, feel fine. like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What are you, what are you going to say? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, you know, we were lambasting, well, we weren't, but Albon and Gasly, you know, mm. for their poor qualifyings and why can't they get in within the two tenths of yeah, Max yeah. and Perez isn't doing the same thing. Admittedly. You know he's he's running better races from yeah, sure. his qualifying position, um, but still, it's 
quite quite confusing to me that he's not he's not a lot closer and not really mm -hmm. that fourth guy on the grid. You know, yeah. um, McLaren adjusted. Obviously, this this is a McLaren weekend too, um, but not normally it should be Red Bull versus Mercedes. Right. Um, I, I I was it was weird because I mean I can't remember one of the commentators said that you know. Red Bull are asking if that was a penalty or not, and should they give the place back? And I'd never heard anything more about it. It seemed apparent that the way he gained that advantage was by cutting a corner and just give up the place then, you know, instantly. It's like, come on, Sergio, just let it go and then get after him. You're going to get him again. And But but by ignoring the fact or not letting, um, it was Charles, right, that he got by, mm -hmm. by cutting, you know, by not letting him, by you know it was self-evident that he was going to get a penalty and and i don't know maybe they thought that he could make hay and make up for that penalty and it wasn't gonna be that big an issue but you know it obviously was so i, I just feel yeah. like they need to instantly you know give up that spot when it's that apparent and just get on with the game and there'll be more benefits right. and he would have got that podium in the end after all well, and he did get, he did have, you know, it's sort of a mirror of what happened on Saturday. I mean, he cut it and he gave that position back pretty quick. Right, um, right. So, yeah, um, I'm not quite sure. The, the team must have felt there was something justifiable about it. But right. um, I think Sergio alluded to that. And he, he kind of felt like the stewards would be a little more flexible given reviewing because he literally had nowhere to go. Um, yeah, but, but, it, but because he had nowhere to, go, nowhere to go doesn't give him the right to take a position. To take a position, right? Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, yep. just because yep. he, you know, they were in a fight and, and he got, you know, moved out doesn't give him the right to then just have a position for free. Yeah. Just doesn't. He, he's he's just got to, you know, <laughs> wipe off yeah. his elbows and his knees and get back on with the job, really. Right. right. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, you know, one of the bigger questions now with the three-place grid penalty, um, you know, I think Red Bull sort of intimated they have to take a new engine, a fourth engine at some point. I don't know if Sochi will be that place. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people feel like it It will be since they're taking the three-place grid penalty. Um, and that seems logical. Uh, on the flip side, I was thinking about it. Well, what what wouldn't make it logical? Well, if you really felt strongly that Sochi was your track, like you were going to be right. really strong at Sochi, then you may feel like you could recover the three-grid yeah. uh, place penalty if you had pole. Mm -hmm. um so i yeah it'll be interesting to see if they do um so yeah, watch but if this it's space. inevitable that you have to take that grip penalty yeah, yeah it's, it's hard to say right because some something may happen and automatically sends you the back right. right right and that's when you choose it but it, you're you're playing a game of what if yeah next week we you know something happens and we're at the back anyway then we haven't given up anything you know that's but, right that's right yeah, the, the yeah. season's getting shorter now so yeah i know maybe, maybe it's know. time to do it i don't know yeah, it's, it, you know, those teams are just brilliant at the re reaction. Uh, well, you know, get, like a good example was uh, Lewis was intending to go long. He started on those hards, right? He was mm -hmm. going to go long. Right. But as soon as Max had that 11-second pit, you know, pit stop, boom, Mercedes tacked quickly, boxed him, you know, because that's right. that's the window, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, brilliant move by Mercedes. Yeah. yeah, great move. All right, Ferrari, Charles Leclerc, P4, Carlos Sainz, and P6. Certainly... There was something to worry about at Ferrari's home Grand Prix with Carlos Sainz crashing on Saturday and then Charles needing to box for personal reasons. He said he wouldn't, couldn't talk about it over the radio. I don't know, you know, if he had the 
uh, the quick steps or, or, <laughs> or what was going on there. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, it was him in that toilet last week and not the yeah, French may have been, re- Yeah, reporter. not the French reporter. It may have yeah, been yeah. Chuck. Uh, but anyway, both drivers saying they didn't feel good this weekend. Mm. Um, come race day, though, Charles and Carlos engaged in really – I would say a pretty decent damage limitation run for them in the points. Um, They both scored well, fourth and sixth. Uh, Yeah, yeah, McLaren was one, too, and that sucks for Ferrari. But, boy, it could have been a lot worse. Um, So I think their damage limitation drive was good. Leclerc benefited from the safety car, got that free pit stop, Paul. That brought him out in second. And, Mm -hmm. boy, he tried to cling on to that. That crowd went crazy. Yeah, Yeah. they did, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Charles said, you know, his his top five drives, he felt like he's driving his butt off Mm -hmm. out there. Uh, Mm -hmm. But he couldn't couldn't hold back Norris, Perez, or Bottas and ends up down and forth. Yep, yep. Probably just wasn't (laughs) quite there, right? And with this track the way it is, it – it's not easy to pass, but if you got that advantage, then you can make it happen. And ultimately, he he put up the good fight. You know, yeah. he didn't let any any of those passes go down easy, um, as we saw, which is great. Yeah, I think he was fighting. He was fighting for sure. Um, but and and in front of the Tifosi, that's kind of what, what what's going to get them behind you. Not that they're <laughs> yeah. not already behind Charles Leclerc for sure. Yeah. So it was it was it was fun to watch him, but a little you know kind of sad to know that he was really you know had the fifth best car to fight yeah. with and he was in the end he was going to be going backwards but it was yeah. it was a good fight and he gave it a week at, yeah yeah he really did and carlos had a, had that tussle early on with giovanazzi yeah uh, which damaged his front wing and then he kind of had to nurse that home i mean he still finished p6 but um but certainly had damage on that car and a fourth and sixth place finishes a good result uh but not when mclaren wins and mm-hmm. uh not at your home race right yeah um so difficult weekend but like i said i you know kind of feel like it was damage limitation but certainly um not what they would have hoped for yeah charles is struggling just a little bit carlos i think Carlos, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think he's kind of hit a, a high spot here. Yeah, he, he, I think he can shrug it off. But I think, um, yeah. yeah, I think he's got, I don't know, he's just had too many mistakes, mm-hmm. you know. He's got a little Yuki Sonoda in there or whatever going on. But um, <laughs> going on I don't know Yuki, if it's something honest. within the team or it's, it's just happenstance or whatever. But, yeah, he's definitely kind of yeah. losing the fight in the teammate battle right now. So he needs to pick his bootstraps up a little bit and yeah. execute, so to speak. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, Aston Martin, Lance Stroll in P12, Sebastian Vettel P13. Lance had a decent start. Is, am I right on that? What's that? I don't know. Lance, was he P... Do I have the wrong... Is that where Lance finished? For some reason, I'm, it's telling me no, or I'm thinking no. No, he finished seventh. I'm sorry. That's why he's yeah. in there. That's why he's up there. Yeah. yeah, so uh, he finished seventh. For whatever reason, they didn't change that in the notes. Uh, mm-hmm. Lance had a decent race. Uh, 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 he avoided a penalty <laughs> for not slowing for the yellow flags, mm-hmm. uh, which it's kind of interesting because that, you know, the FIA in the past here, they, I mean, they, no patience on yellow flags. If you don't right. slow down, boom, penalty. So I don't know what the stewards saw that kind of felt like, mm, just going to give him a warning because ever since the Jules Bianchi thing, I mean, there is no quarter given. Right, right. If you yeah. do, you do or you don't, right? Yeah, if you didn't slow, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So I'm not quite sure why they would acquiesce on that. Um, the only thing could be, you know, visibly yeah. visibility to the incident or whatever maybe, that he could yeah. maybe see it. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it could yeah. be. So anyway, but he he avoided the penalty. Um, 
Uh, and he did, well, he did hit his teammate <laughs> on yeah, the first lap, damaged <laughs> oh. Vettel's car, and yeah, uh, that him. wasn't good. No. Um, so, I, I don't know, before before I heap too much praise on the Canadian there, I kind of feel like hitting your own teammate, yeah. and then finishing and having everyone praise your, seventh, your P7th a little much. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I think that was a bit out of order, <laughs> really, because yeah. not only did he hit him, he, he basically destroyed his race by his race. by pushing yeah. him out so far that you know three four other cars went by Vettel at that point yeah. and Vettel was running pretty good at that so I I'm sure Sebastian Hey guys it is Ryan I'm not sure if you know this about me but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can I like to work but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus would want to sit down and talk to Lance about that situation I mean you know the, this team aren't in a place where they're just mm-hmm. knocking points out of the park they need to protect each other as much as you know just run for individual glory right and the, the way you know if Lance is going to shove someone like that another another team fine but right. You don't do it to your own teammate. That's, you know, pass him when you can, uh, but don't sacrifice his whole race yeah. just for you to squeeze on by. So I thought Lance was a bit out of order there yeah. on that move. And I'm sure Seb was not very happy. Yeah, I bet his tongue. He didn't say anything about it. But, mm. you know, you, I'm sure, you know, he's a mm-hmm. seasoned, grizzled veteran. I'm yeah, sure. Well, Daddy pissed. Warbucks is going to, you know. Right, right, right. Um, so Seb had a tussle with Ocon and then some damage to his car from Stroll that left him struggling to make up ground basically all day. Um, it is, I do, I do find the, uh, the difference between, uh, their car and McLaren. They're both Mercedes uh, customers, mm-hmm. both Mercedes power, but boy, the, the Delta between them and McLaren night and day. Right, right. Well, I mean, it's, you know, maybe yeah. they're, they're still licking their wounds for the whole rake issue. Yeah. So, you know, even though it's got the same motor in that I think the configuration of the car is radically different. There's evidently yep. nothing they can do about it. So I, yeah, think, I right. think they've actually done better than they were whining about at the beginning of the season. The so of the they, season, yeah. they still did kind of get their heads down and, and work on it. But yeah, I would, I would have thought this track would have been great for them, quite honestly. I would too. But, yeah. yeah. I would too. Uh, Alpine, Fernando Alonso, P8, Esteban Ocon, P10. This track didn't seem to flatter the Alpine, um, but uh, a double points finish is actually a job well done, although Ocon felt a little put upon uh, with the Vettel penalty, and he felt he could have been seventh on the day had uh, the stewards pulled their heads out, decolonized (laughs) their heads, but he wasn't happy about that. Um, Okay. You know. It's mm-hmm. uh you know there you there you have it so that was <laughs> <laughs> and that is the words according to Ocon yes. and that is life according to Esteban yes yeah yeah um, he toned the rhetoric down a little bit um, when Ted caught up with him on the notebook but mm. uh, anyway not happy for Alonzo uh, he took it he got to the advantage of the safety car um, made up a few places to get in the hunt for eighth so that was good uh, Fernando said it was a bit of a lonely race for him they he said we basically overperformed here uh, because we qualified 13th, 14th, and he said that's mm-hmm. kind of where we should have been. But uh, um, they did consolidate their fifth place in the Constructors' Championship with a decent dual points finish, so that's good. Uh, but perhaps, according to Fernando, punching above their weight this weekend. Yeah, I mean, the, 
I guess it, is that what they're shooting for fifth in the championship? <laughs> not <laughs> not probably their no what they're really aiming for, but maybe that's what they're accepting at this point. You know, yeah, they're not going to get McLaren, they're not going to get Ferrari, so maybe this is the best of what they can make of the season, so to speak. But yeah, the the car sometimes is just kind of like just not there is it and uh, this is one of those tracks but yeah uh, uh, a safety car you know at the right point the yellow flag you know everyone's still running pretty close even if it's not their ideal track so that stuff goes in your favor you can definitely get the points and that's that's what he did yeah for sure well the next team benefited from that too williams george russell p9 uh, Nicholas the TVP 11 George got that benefit of the safety car mm-hmm. got a free pit stop made up places and they've now Paul scored points in three of the last four races yeah look at that huh what a drought it's been how about Williams <laughs> things are going well over there yeah I always knew that Yost Capito would be the solution yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, they're definitely, you know, they're, they're putting themselves in an opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, knocking on the top 10, something happens, this or that, they can take the opportunity. I actually feel really bad for Latifi. I thought he probably had his best weekend yeah, ever. Yeah, I did too. I mean, yeah. he was competitive the whole time. He was running yeah. the top 10 legitimately. He was ahead of Russell, qualified ahead of Russell. Yeah. I mean, he was having a great weekend. And yeah, the, the the safety car thing really, um, really, really killed him. But he, he still ended up with P11. But um, he should be very happy with his race. I'm, I'm sure he is, he but, you know, be. it's just, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, that's good for Williams. That he's, he's getting up on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It's really good uh, for him. And I think he's buoyed by the, you know, re-signing for next year. And he, um, yeah, just got caught up at the safety car. He had boxed just previous to the safety car coming out, so he dropped out of the top 10 from them, and uh, but held on to P11, as you mentioned. Uh, also, if you can believe it or not, Williams is now ahead of Alfa Romeo in the Constructors' Championship. I cannot believe it. Hmm? How about that? Blown away. And are they ahead of Haas? Where are Haas? Yep. Okay. Just making sure. I thought Mazpam maybe had put in a top six run sometime that I forgot about. Yeah, well, that podium vision is by Mazepan, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Alfa Tauri, Pierre Gasly, DNF. Yuki Sonoda, DNS. That was not good. Not good weekend. Yuki was over there not happy at all. I saw his post-race. He's like It's a shit box. He was he was like, yeah, well, this is really bad. You know, it is what it is. But, you know, if I need more time in the car and more experience on track, and if this is going to happen, I don't get any you know, driving time. Yeah. yeah, it's like, see ya. It was like, <laughs> wow, okay, Yuki. Well, anyway, Pierre had a new PU and gearbox. That's power unit for those of you playing at home. And was set to start from the pit lane, but radioed on the installation lap that something is very wrong with the car. He couldn't drive the race like that. Pierre started the race, drove around for a lap, then parked it. It's a shame because it's their home race. Yeah. And given the glory of last year, right? I know. The glory of last year with his win last year. He had a great qualifying session. Yeah. Right? So things were really kind of lining up to be a pretty good race for Pierre. Just the you know the bottom fell out of that weekend. Um, yeah, it's brutal. And the only thing to make that worse is that Yuki never even started the race. 
he had brake issues. They couldn't fix some of the grid. And after the installation lap, uh, he, 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 you know, he gridded up. But after the installation lap, they discovered an issue. They put it on uh, dollies, wheeled it back in the garage, tried to get it fixed so he could start for pit lane, just couldn't do it. So, yeah, yeah bad week. Yeah, I wonder what that was. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Yep. Not much to say about that. <laughs> no, not really. Um, no. You know, maybe... Maybe we should have consulted Franz Tosin and got his input on that. So not good. <laughs> uh, Alfa Romeo, Robert Kubica, P14, uh, Antonio Giovinazzi, P13. Antonio had a good weekend going, yeah. um, but a poor start saw him go wide. And then he came back on track in an unsafe manner, causing the clash with Carlos Sainz. And then on top of that pain, he got a penalty uh, for his effort. So he boxed for a new front wing and then nursed an injured car home to 13th. Yeah. Um you know, you can sense that his job's on the line because the last three races, he's qualified really well. Really well? Yeah. It's like, good God, man. It's like, it, well, uh, where's this pace you know? been? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's showing that pace. That might also open doors for other drivers to want to be there. Yeah, yeah. That maybe wouldn't consider it before. Like Valtteri Bonus. Yeah, like Valtteri Bonus. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was a shame for him. I mean, super qualifying. Yeah. And actually, he did get a good start. He, he was yeah. mixing up with the – unfortunately, he just went into that chicane just that little bit too much mm. speed and then had to abort and then ended up coming on the track and didn't really think that anyone else was on the track at the same time. And and Carlos was there, and that's all the road. It, was, it looked like yeah. a pretty spectacular crash, and so – Happy that he got, they got to fix it and he kept going, but uh, opportunity lost for sure. For sure, yeah. I mean that car was you know to be qualifying that that well. He had a great weekend up until the qualifying as well. So yeah, real opportunity lost. I, th I think it's just that moment. You know, you're like, oh my god, I'm racing with the Ferraris, and then yeah. you know just lo lost that little bit of focus on what you really need to do and, and got a little bit over eager. Well, and, and that, he's a hometown hero, right? And it's yeah. in front of the Tafosi. Once mm -hmm. put on a good result, you know, a lot of adrenaline Big going there. <laughs> I have that sound bite, Paul. Give me a moment. I mean, it's always a big emotion. It's always yeah. a big emotion. Sorry, Giovinazzi. Yes. He sounds a lot like the other guy used to work for fun. He does. Uh, <laughs> Let's see. Then we're down to Haas. Make sure Mark P15, Mazapan, and well, We didn't really DNA. talk about Kubica, but not much to say. Oh, I'm sorry. Say. I totally missed Robert. Robert had a marginal start. Uh, felt mm. they got about as much as they could from the car on Sunday. Uh, he managed his tires in the first stint. He was kind of hoping. He said that the first stint was uh, kind of tough. Uh, the tire wear was kind of tough, so he ended up sort of slowing down a little bit, trying to manage his tires in that first stint. Mm. And his thought was... You know, once we get to that second step and get the fresh, uh, the harder compounds on, or, or the different, the medium compounds, I'm sorry. Yeah. He thought once they got those, um, gosh, let me try to do this uh, correctly. He was hoping the mediums on the second stent would be a little better and then mm -hmm. be able to make up some time. But it just, it didn't happen. He couldn't follow right. anyone closely, uh, started chewing those tires up and didn't have the pace. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Very well. Robert's race. Yes, Haas. Uh, so after the safety car restart, uh, Nikita hit Schumacher, spun him, got a time penalty from the stewards for his actions, and then retired the car. I don't know what to say. This team is a big, fat mess. I can't even imagine mm -mm. what's going on behind the scenes there. Mm -mm. You know, week after week, we're talking about the same thing, right? 
I know. I mean, Mazapan's bouncing off his own car or every other car, and mm-hmm. Schumacher's just trying to ride out the year, as far as I know. Um, I would get out of there if he if he has a place to go. I can't imagine they'll be in the. This will be the team lineup next next time. I'd be very surprised if I was Mick. I would be throwing everything in the kitchen sink to get me over to Sauber. Yeah, exactly. And Giovinazzi's. And I know everybody's like, well, I got Callum Eilat and I got all these other guys. I, I know. Yeah. Man, if I was Mick, I would be making a huge play for yeah. Sauber. And yeah. Sauber could make a little, you know, make a little hay with that because that's where Michael, his dad, got a start was in the Sauber sports car. Yeah, the sports car team. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And they so they could, you know, sort of make a little bit of that. And yeah, and, and, yeah. He's, and he's, it seems like a decent driver it's hard to know how good you are in that in a Haas you know I mean even if Mazepan beats him on occasion it's like that team's a mess yeah and who knows what car you're driving and how equal they are and who got it right and who's doing up the bolts on that one I don't know the team's a mess and something needs to be sorted I'm not sure it's going to get better though I don't know it's just uh, not good enough damn it not good enough it's not good enough well he tried to recover from the spin but the time that he spent trying to get his car pointed in the right direction everybody was gone and at that point yeah. um you know, trundling around, around. yeah and yep. in, in last so mm-hmm. unfortunately all right well that's how they finished um hopefully cooler heads will prevail with the whole lewis and max thing my gosh the i don't know folks my advice to formula one is just ignore f1 fans at this point because before it was like yeah you know it's really about making the fans happy but my gosh the the responses and and just the hate and vitriol and and it's just be reactive yeah i mean my gosh come on man Mm -hmm. you know i where are the adults you know let's grow up a little bit and look at it objectively um you know i'm not accusing i mean there was a lot of f1 press um, that I watched. Certainly Martin understood it. Paul DeResta doing his best to try to straighten the Sky Crew out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, poor PDR. Well, they do felt, like to make things oh larger than they need to be. Yes, but. you know. But then you had Damon and Johnny Herbert just going over the top on Max and Toto yeah. and everybody. It's kind of like, really? You know, come on, man. Um, yeah. And then... Um, I did read, uh, you know, some of the other, and kudos to the to the three guys over at the race. At least they kind of, they, all three of them were like, "This is a racing incident at best." You know, um, at one of them even saying, "If you're going to portion blame, he kind of felt like it should have been Lewis." You know, mm. um, that Max is well along inside, had every right to that apex, every right to that corner, and Lewis should have went out a little wider. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not making that argument, but anyway, point being is, is some people have a measured approach to this. I just reading all of the, just the BS out there. Yeah. Um, well, everyone likes to be outraged. Yeah. Everybody loves to be outraged and, mm-hmm. you know, and then the whole thing with the halo, you know, yeah, man, thank Thankfully the halo was on there, you know, no doubt about it. It was like, Oh, it would have killed him. Would have killed him. And it's like, ah, uh, you know, I'm. Do we know that? Do we know that definitively? How do we know that? We don't know yeah. that. The only way we know that if there wasn't a halo. And my argument is, thank God there was a halo, so we don't have to find out. Right. 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 Just stop yeah. with the drama. It's silly. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, all right. Let's hand out some awards. That's what we do. The first one we like to call "Move of the Race." Woo! Move of the race. 
like your move of the race better than mine. What was your move of the race? You do? I do. Okay. You mean uh, Zach Brown? Yes. Going to Mercedes engines at McLaren. Really? I think that was a significant move uh, against the grain at that moment in time. Why are you going to leave in Honda just when everything's going to get good? Went against the grain. And um, I think they're reaping the rewards right now. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Dan and Lando are appreciating it. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't want to overplay the thing with Zach, but you, and I don't want to make it sound like McLaren was on life support because I didn't see their PL. I don't know if they were, but it, things were tight. I do know that. And what Zach has been able to do and come in and bring in the right people to free things up a little bit, let innovation, you know, uh, cultivate and percolate in Woking and let them you know, under Andreas and, and get refocused and bring Lando in and bring Dan in and just, you know, lighten things up a little bit and let people, you know, be creative and do the things. I, kudos to Zach. I, you know, yeah. he's just done a hell of a job. He really he has. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, it's a bold move ditching uh, Renault going over to, to Mercedes and, but it's the right move. And um, that's a good job. Yep. Uh, my move of the race, uh, boy, I really liked Lando and Leclerc battle. I thought those yes, were great. That was that was awesome. Yeah. Those were great. Yeah. 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 Um, you could say the physical move of the race is Max and Lewis. I, I'm gonna stick with Lando <laughs> and Leclerc passing, although there I will go. give honorable mentions. Kudos to Mercedes. What a what a class act. They actually brought uh uh a six pack of champagne bottles Ooh. down to McLaren because full they were or empty. Full. Yeah. Oh, okay, good, yeah. good. Uh, they brought them extra champagne so McLaren could celebrate. They were worried they may run out, you know, with all the <laughs> celebration. So great move on Mercedes' part. I thought it was a brilliant uh, gesture from awesome. Toto and team uh, to do that. And, and you know, uh, you know, of course, they're a customer of Toto's and Mercedes, but, you know, they got beat by them. So uh, yep. uh, kudos for them for really respecting the gravitas of the situation and how much it meant to uh, McLaren. It was great. Yep. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, All right. Next award is Donkey of the Race. All right. Donkey of the Race. Who'd you give it to? I got to give it to Alpha Tori. Yeah, it's a good call. Or as British as you would say, it's a good shout, Paul. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, I don't know who's tightening the bolts up there, but on the brakes Mm. or fixing the car, but uh, there's, there's a couple of things missing and ending up one lap between two cars and then the stat they said on the, on the TV was like, they're the only team that have scored points in every race this year, which I'm trying to remember when, but uh, I'm sure it's, um, it's a real stat. That's, that's a horrible way to lose that, <laughs> that mm. run of good luck, you know? Brutal. Yeah, yeah. it's brutal. Um, Let's see. Donkey. I'm going to give it to uh, Mazepin. Mm. He's going he's gonna to win he's the gonna Donkey work. of the Year award, I'm thinking. Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say, he's going to have to work really hard to get out of the Donkey of the Year <laughs> award for both of us, I think, yeah. at this point. So that's who I'm giving it to. All right, next award is Driver of the Race. <laughs> Good God. We'll do it live. It's All right, Paul. Who is the driver uh, of the race? I think we're I think we're in unison here. I think we? we're in unison. Yep. The the Shuey himself. Yep. You know. 
Hard that not was, to pick Dan for that one. Uh, yeah, it is hard. Although, did you see Lando's face when he had to drink from the shoey? He did not <laughs> like that very much. He didn't like I it at know. all. I know he's used to popsicles and all that kind yeah, of stuff, but that right. is not what comes out of Dan's shoes, that's for sure. Right. No. <laughs> There's no telling what comes out There's of no Dan's shoes. There's no watermelon flavor. That is nasty stuff. <laughs> yeah. Zach was all for it, though. You can have... Yeah. He could have taken a bath in it. Oh, yeah. Zach was totally up for it. You know, but if a Dan's Australian and every single thing, every single animal down in Australia tries to, you know, is is there, has the potential to kill you and is trying to. So I would imagine even the bacteria coming out of Dan's shoes (laughs) could kill you. It's Australian, damn it. They're a hearty lot down there in Australia. We love our Aussies. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, big, nasty, pointy teeth. (laughs) All right. Uh, Shall we do some mailbag? You've got mail. Sure. Let's do it. Hi, this is from Brian. Hey, Brian. Uh, Thanks so much for posting a question. Uh, You're a good man, Brian. That's what I'm telling everyone. Uh, Mm. He says, hey, Todd and Paul, this question's for Paul, not me. Paul, it's a great question, though. I'm going to take a poke at it. I just want to say this, though. It says, Paul, I was wondering what current Formula One tracks you... Uh, have you dri- uh, driven on and oh. in your prime of driving how do you think you would do in a current formula one car thanks love the show i look forward to every week brian from austin okay so mm. i want to take a poke not formula one tracks but real quick i want to try to guess it it's the majority of the tracks you've driven in america you ready here okay. you go oh are you okay not formula one tracks though no not formula one just right. i want to so i know you've driven sebring Mm-hmm. I know you've driven Road Atlanta. Yeah. I know you've driven Elkhart. Yeah. I know you've driven Laguna. Yeah. I know you've driven Coda. This is going to take a while. Yeah. I know you've driven Sonoma. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so there's six, and I'm stalling out. So You're stalling out? Yeah, so there's six of them I know of. Have you Mid-Ohio? driven Watkins Glen? Have you gone to the Glen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mid-Ohio, of course, you've driven that. Mid-Ohio. You've driven Gateway. Gateway, Virginia. Yeah. VIR. Yeah. Um, driven Indy, um, the Formula One version. Yeah. Um, I've driven Phoenix, the Oval. I've yeah. Phoenix, Las the Vegas. Track. I've driven Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> I've driven. Just about every track in <laughs> Just America. About, yeah. Miami Grand Prix. I mean, uh, yeah. There's not many I haven't driven groundlessly. Yeah, you've uh, driven just about all of them. So okay, yeah. for Formula One, current yeah. Formula One tracks. Right. Code I know. Right. And that's about it, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you've driven Silverstone. Yeah, but not competitively or anything. Not like an that. anchor. No, no. Yeah. No, okay. I mean, I've, obviously, I've driven Indy, which is a Formula One right old track. So yeah, so no, I haven't been to many of the others actually, unfortunately. But at right. least driven them, you know. Right. So yeah, you've driven Silverstone, but not an anchor. Right. 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 Um, yeah. So. I think the point here is we need to get you over Formula one ride spa. Yes. Yes. That would be great. I'm, I would so love working to, on that. I I'm would love to that. do a hot lap with you at spa. Yeah, I would like to do a hot lap with me at spa. That, that would be awesome. Yeah. No, I'm working on that. That's my yeah. goal. That would be good. All right. Mm-hmm. So how do you think you would do in a current formula one car? At my prime, he says. In your prime. Yeah, so so I'm not going to speculate on that because I have no idea, right? Um, but what but, you do know is you would have done the same thing Max did at Italy. 
Yes, I, I do. Yeah, I have done the same thing Max did, but right. I didn't end up on someone's. But right. so, so here's the thing with that. It's it's a good, it's a great question. It's a tough one for me to say. Oh, I would, I would be mid pack. I, I have no idea. But it's like when you're at your prime, it's not just being a very good driver. It's having the opportunities to hone your skill in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Right. So so when I started, I started driving Formula cars, but I was not. 14 years old at that time. And I could see the writing on the wall that formula cars at that point and still are every year you have to come up with the budgets, mm-hmm. another budget, another budget. So I, that's kind of where I diverted, even though, you know, always wanted to be a formula one drive, but I also will always love sports cars. And that's why I diverted to sports cars and touring cars, et cetera, because it was a lot easier or never easy, but it was, but the budgets get, didn't need to, gain, to, be as to gain budgets, to gain yeah. manufacturer backing, tires, fuel, whatever. It was a lot easier to find a way. And in a sports car, you co-drove with people who also had fu- had funding mm-hmm. that maybe you could piggyback on that kind of thing. And the Formula One ladder is so difficult. It's so needs to be so buoyed by a lot of individual personal money to hone your skill. Right. It's, it's, it's more, not necessarily that just about racing in it, but you have to be in it and you have to be in a formula car. You have to be in a go-kart. You have to be doing that day after day. You have to have the team behind you to make the adjustments to keep, give you the mm-hmm. best car out there to really become a better, better formula driver. So I, right. You know, if, if I said at my prime, I would say I probably wouldn't be that that great of driving a Formula One car, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Formula One cars now are probably easier to drive than the ones when I was, you know, driving right. the 1100 horsepower, you know, turbo cars would have been insane, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't think I was ever in a place, even at my prime, that I would have been able to go jump in a Formula One car and compete um, really well. I knew what you would have to do, but you just got to have the time in day after day to be able to bring that level up in a Formula car to where you can be successful in a Formula One car. Right, right. So you spent, instead of doing that and all that time in Formula car, you, you did spend all that time driving sports cars and right. touring cars. Yeah. Right. And, and and because the opportunities were, were yeah. a lot more open. And as I said, you know, I, I, I won my first race in 88 and I won my first championship in 89. And I was already racing in the Pro Series in 89 because sports car enabled me yeah. to to do that but it, no way you know I, I pursued it a little bit with from atlantics and stuff but it just you just had to have so much money to even get the get in the right. door and then you were getting in the door with a lower team yeah that was really wasn't gonna do you any good anyway so right you know right. you you what, what happens if you show up and finish 12th you know right nothing absolutely nothing mm-hmm. you just have to come up with a budget for next year but if you jump in a sports car where the opportunities and the the field, you know, you can have a better chance of getting in a good car. You can show what you can do and it then opens up other opportunities. Which it's is, kind of one of those things that if you look yeah. at Kevin Magnuson, right, trundling around midfield in the Haas, that he jumps over into Ims and wins races. Right, right. Yeah, he's, he's been, is because of their position at championship and our position, he's next door to us the past, he's been next door to us past three races. Yeah. So that's funny, yeah. But cool. now he's already off the Peugeot, right? So yeah, right, right. Yeah. So yeah, that's a yeah. That's it's. Does that make sense? I mean, it does it, totally make sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's why there's yeah. very few people ever get to Formula One unless you know they someone right. had to back him, and some people get there purely because they're backing, like Marzipan. But right. you know, it's 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 not just about being good; it's about honing that 
that part inside you to be get the most out of a formula car which is downforce right. which is speed which is you know and so there you go well the, it's a it, it's a good reminder like if you're newer to formula one um it's a good reminder that, you know, we, we talk about Mazepine, we talk about these paying drivers and, um, you know, it's hit or miss. I mean, some people feel like, you know, it's justifiable because the teams need the budget and the money and there's, you know, advertising dollars are tough and all that kind of thing. Uh, there's other people that are diametrically opposed to paying drivers. They hate that concept, but it's not a new concept, Paul. And your evidence of that certainly back, we're talking about 88, 86, 88, you know, 87, 88, where you were having to raise all of this big money. This has been going on. This was, right. you know, Senna had to raise money. Exactly. You know, Brundle yeah. had to raise money. Um, your friend Tommy Byrne trying to get the money. You know, Ian James, mm -hmm. I'm sure, when he started trying to get that money right. to, you know, fund a, an open-seater uh, career. Yeah. And, and, and Formula One cars are just, I mean, Formula cars in general are very difficult cars to drive. You can't just come up with money. And they just jump in a car in the middle of a championship and expect mm -hmm. to have any chance of doing well against people. You, yeah. It's got to be, you know, like Lance Stroll, right? He's, mm. he had the money behind him. He has talent, but he had to be, he was in a car every day. And they even created a series in Florida for him to race against Max and everything in, in the Formula Three cars or whatever, mm -hmm. just to keep him racing and being competitive and keep him going, keep that, that graduation of skill level yeah. up. If you got that support, then that can happen, you know? Yeah, very tough. Yeah. Great questions, Brian. Um, yeah. Let's see. David asks, I'm curious if you took an F1's most recent fan survey. I did, David. Um, and uh, my thoughts on the survey contents as they provide a glimpse into what F1 wants to know about fans' preferences. Um he said two things that stuck out to him was the confirmation that F1 leadership still seems preoccupied with features like gimmicks rather than benefits. Uh, far too many questions probe the reverse grids, third driver races, new exotic locations, multimedia entertainment zones, and for some reason how F1 might attract more celebrities to this sport. I, I, I saw that's that what too. we need. Yeah, that's exactly what we need. <laughs> um, uh, if that's not uh, too much of a downer, maybe this will help. Um, he said in the second one, uh, there was a one question uh, that actually made me think, uh, is F1 better today than it was five years ago? And he said, my first impulse was to smash the no button. But then I thought again, five years ago is the 2016 season, a season in which a single team won 19 or 21 races uh, in the season and uh, and which introduced uh, to Baku. <laughs> so instead, I gently clicked yes. But I wonder what your thoughts are. Is F1 better today than five years ago? How about 10 or 20 years ago? Uh, mm. Is the sport generally on a good tra trajectory? Great questions, David. Um, I did take the survey. I hate to uh, paraphrase. I'm paraphrasing Grace because this is the industry she's in, uh, a survey industry. Uh, so she knows it far better than I do. But I do agree with Grace that um, they've done dozens and dozens of these fan surveys. Mm -hmm. And as I've, I've said, and Grace has said many times, you need to be careful about just doing all these surveys. Doing surveys for the point of doing surveys is pointless. Right. And when you ask a question, you have to know exactly why you're asking that question and what data you're seeking to harvest and for what purpose you might use that data. Yeah. Not just a, hmm, well, that's kind of interesting yeah, to know. Yeah. 
None of that matters, you know? Yeah. So for every survey, this is what Grace is genius at. For every question on a survey, it's directly tied to some sort of development or concepting around what you might, you know, choose to do. And there's a purpose and meaning for doing it. And to her point, my point jointly is don't ask or do a survey if you're not planning on doing anything. Right. Because you're then, just going to do whatever you want to do anyway, right? If you're going to yeah. do whatever you want to do, because what you're doing is you're asking millions and millions of fans to take time out of their schedule to answer an exhaustive email or a survey uh, and give you their email. And you're asking them to take all that time to do the survey. You damn well better do something with results, because if you don't, yeah. you're going to start pissing the fan base off and nobody's going to do surveys and it'll get tedious. And that's not what you want to do. Yeah. So yeah. that's my thought on it. Yeah. Was, was there a question on how long should we interview celebrities who have actually nothing to do with yeah. the race itself exactly. while we're trying to get information on what's happening before the race? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm, oh, look. I'm, it's like <laughs> he, was, yeah. he was on the grid and he was like, oh, it's Vin Diesel. Oh, my God. Vin Diesel's like nearly, nearly wetting mm. himself. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, are we a Formula One race or yeah. are we at like the Golden Globes? I'm not yeah. quite sure what's yeah. going on. I, but I know it's a big deal to some people. Irritating. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I've never been one of those people that's starstruck. Um, uh, you know, I've hung out with all three of the Who members. I've hung out with lots of the rock and roll stars, Jack Bruce, uh, you know, all those guys, uh, Peter Frampton, Ringo Starr, all those guys. And I've been around them and hung out, Joe Walsh, all those guys. And to me, they're people, you know, and and it's not that I don't respect what they achieve. Of course I do, you know, absolutely. But when I was in the paddock at Coda, you know, I chatted with some of the drivers and stuff like that. I'm, I'm incredibly respectful of their achievements and their skills and stuff, but I'm not starstruck like mm. that, you know. I just, no, I just I just don't see the point in asking. I mean, I'm fine seeing pictures of them. Hey, look who it yeah, is. Look who it is. That's, that's, that's great. great. But that's I'm not, great. don't take time out of the pre-race. No, no. Grid walk explaining strategies and no, tell me, the tell me what's going the, on with AlphaTauri's issues. With the race, yes, yeah. yes. Why yes. aren't the AlphaTauri's... Right before Wimbledon final was going, then they're not going to start interviewing Sebastian Vettel you right. know, and asking him his fa favorite tennis star. I mean, get right. on with it. Get on yeah, with this. It's fine them being there. That's great. It, it is know, great. But I'm not interested. No, I'm not either. <laughs> I want to know why AlphaTauri has no cars on the grid that's what right. i want to know you know right. uh, not what vin diesel thinks about being at a race yeah you know <clears throat> whatever i'm sure what he's he impressed doing? he was doing this like he was i, he, I, don't, yeah. I don't even know what that means i'm sure he's excited i'm sure he's yeah. happy to be there i'm sure he finds it mesmerizing and really mm -hmm. cool and he loves it and he's a car guy and i'm sure right. that all right done go yeah you've heard that that's great to be given the opportunity to be on the grid right. enjoy it it is enjoy it yeah that's just yeah Move on. All right. Uh, next, Miles asks, uh, how do teams approach developing cars to suit their driver's styles? It seems that some big name drivers have struggled when moving to new teams. This generally is also met with the generic driver X is struggling with car setup or tire warming, etc. Recently, Ricardo seems to have struggled at McLaren, Schumacher when he returned to Mercedes. Some of the big names in uh, season moves um, have also struggled. So mm -hmm. how do they go about that, Paul? That's a great, great it is question. A fabulous sometimes question, they Miles. don't solve those problems. I mean, look at mm. us, you know, hard racing. We've got four drivers now. We're in the we're during our engineering briefings. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got something to say. 
But I mean, the thing is, it's like every driver feels things differently. Everyone, you know, some like a really positive front end. Some get nervous if the back end stepping out of them. Some, you know, like a lot of sidewall flex. Some don't care. Some do. It's, it's a lot to do with, you know, engineering the car to give the driver the feedback that they desire, you know, like Dan with the brakes, right? I mean, yeah. All the Formula One cars have brakes, you know, with they're all, all got Brembo's or whatever, you know, but it, it's just how that car gives that feedback through the pedal um, and how that driver reacts to that feedback in the but pedal, be it a false negative or a positive, yeah. you know? I, I guess, Paul, because I was thinking the first thing I thought about on this, and you know far better than I do, but remember when I asked Sebastian Vettel, you like a pointy car. Mm hmm. And he goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, I don't like waiting on the front end. Right. He goes, because you're churning, you're just waiting and waiting when he hates that. So he'd rather have a a, a, um, a car much more pointy at the front end than, say, maybe Jensen Button. Right. Who likes a little bit of understeer, right? A little bit, yeah. And that's a personal driver preference, right? And it gives you more confidence going in the turn. If you're not confident that if the back end is going to step out in a moment and that makes you a little nervous or uncomfortable, then you're never going to get the max out of the car. But if you turn in, there's just that little, the front end gives you the feedback first, you know, then right. you can drive to that. And yeah, it's, it's, you know, so we saw Alonso. So if you edit, if you were to team, let's say you and your, your buddy and James, and let's say yeah. both of you, let's say you liked a pointy car and he, he didn't, he liked a little bit of understeer, right? But you're building one car, right? Right. So how then, does it, yeah, that's what we're talking about, Miles, is how do you develop that car? So if Dan came in and he liked, I'm just using pointy versus non-pointy mm -hmm. car. If Dan came in and liked his car to behave this way, and that's what made him fast, and and the car's already built kind of around uh, Lando and what makes Lando fast, but it doesn't really translate. Right. What are we faced with there, Paul, as far as developing or does the driver simply have to re-acclimate and change his driving style? And how yeah, much I can mean, a team develop a car today? They, they can only develop, develop it so far. I mean, obviously, it's not just a matter of, oh, well, he likes a loose car, let's, you know, lessen the wing. There's so much that's going into it where the contact patch is and where the center of pressure is and where the weight distribution is. And sometimes that's you can't just extract that out of the car because mm -hmm. you want it to, right? Um, so... That's why sometimes it takes a little long because they're trying to find a way of getting, adapting what's intrinsically there to somehow change it enough where it's not going to take away grip, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, but, but giving the driver feedback that they want. And, and luckily, obviously in Formula One, yes, the cars are identical, but at least they're not driving the same car. They're driving right. identical cars, right? right? So you can go down a little path, but sometimes it depends on how the engineer works with the driver on how they can extract what that driver wants. Because in a way it's an abstract. It's not written there on ones and O's on, on the screen, mm -hmm. what that driver wants. So it, you know, it and it it still still does come down to feel, even though they're, we're pouring over data, et cetera, like that. Mm -hmm. the, the driver still has kind of that last ten percent is on what they feel mm -hmm. is going to happen. Because if they don't feel it's going to happen, they wouldn't want it want it to. They're not going to challenge the car to do that. Right. right? And in so, Formula One, each has their. It's the same car, but each has their own, and you can tweak them within reason. You can tweak them within reason, yeah. But they're but not going to go down world, a whole other pathway for no. a second driver. Right. They're, they're, they're gonna they're gonna not 
take big leaps. It's going to be a, a process, mm-hmm. which is maybe why we're nearly halfway through, past halfway through the season and, and Dan's finally mm-hmm. getting his head around the car because they don't want to upset the direction they've been going because they know it works. Yeah. You know, Lando right. shows it works. Mm-hmm. So now it's, okay, how do we get this car that's fast to work and give Dan the feedback that he wants, mm-hmm. right? So um, in your world, though, Paul, where you have two, so you have, let's say, Roman and Ross. Mm-hmm. They're both driving the same car. Right. And they probably, and I guess the ultimate thing is is to have two, if Roman and Ross both like the same behavior from a car and, they, and they're both fast that way. But if they're not, yeah, is the thing at that point, you're trying to get the number 23 Aston Martin neutral and then letting them adapt to that neutral car? Are you favoring a little more pointy car or how do you, how do you manage that within one car and two drivers? Well, sometimes everyone's got to give up something. So the drivers have to be flexible in that the series. The drivers have to be, it's like, okay, I know yeah. you don't particularly like this, but let's just give it a go for a while. And let's see, because if we have to change everything for what you're asking, it's going to, you know, seriously damage the, the pace of the car or, or the other drivers feel mm-hmm. for the car. So, uh, you know, is a bit of toing and froing on, you know, sometimes, you know, it's, what you know what Roman was used to doing in a Porsche and his mm-hmm. just instinct was to do you know lots of steering input and, does, and it's like okay we need to bleed that out of you because mm-hmm. that isn't what this car demands right we're not going to adapt the Aston Martin to drive like a Porsche right mm-hmm. we you've you've got to adapt to how what gets what gets the best out of the car for ultimate lap time and that may not be your natural or your learned experience in the car and and you know usually a a young driver can adapt a lot easier than an older driver can to those kind of things right Mm -hmm. so sebastian vell is going to have a lot harder time to do it than you know mick schumacher coming in and trying to drive something a little bit different or dan and lando maybe right 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 so yeah yeah, so you you, is a little to and froing sometimes you know it takes a little confidence, you know, on the drivers to understand what the engineers are trying to achieve and mm-hmm. to buy into that and willing to give up a little bit of, I want the whole car to feel as perfect for me as I can possibly do. Right. The ultimate goal, which is to have a car that's good for both drivers. Right. And, and I'm not implying that Formula One drivers don't, you know, have to compromise and change their styles. Yeah. I think they do. I think Fernando is a perfect example right. of adapting his style to the limitations of the car that he's in. Right. And, and I would think, you know, I would think any one of them are good at that to a point, but mm-hmm. when you've got a wholesale change your driving style, yeah. um, that takes a little more time. Yeah, and, so, and some of them, some they can't, some of them can't, some it just doesn't right. happen, you know, and right. then they, they have to move, they move to another team and, Oh, you know, they just needed a fresh air. Right. Well, maybe it was, they just needed a different car. Right. <laughs> maybe right. that car was never going to get to the point where they could maximize their, their skill potential in it because it just didn't fit. I mean, you know, everyone's got their own little things, how they turn the wheel in, how they release the brake, how they get on the throttle. Mm-hmm. Every single driver is just that a little bit different. Obviously, ideally in a sports car, you know, you, you get two drivers who are very, very similar styles. Right. Um, I wouldn't say that Ross and Roman were that, but they, but they, Ross educated Roman on what's best for this car and Roman Mm -hmm. practiced it. And then when you see the results, that makes it a lot easier to buy into a different style. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If, if, if Ross can jump in the car and, and understands what the car demands in order to be quick, and then he jumps in and he's a little quicker and Roman is like, 
ah, okay, so I do need to do that and I can be quicker. Right, right. And you're willing to make those changes if, if you know the, the benefits, you know. So, right, right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So anyway, Miles, I hope that, I hope that helps. Now, to that point, um, I would think it's safe to assume, Paul, we often talk about how at Red Bull that car is designed and developed to sort of flatter Max mm-hmm. and what Max expects from a car. Right. I think you could say that that Mercedes designed very much around Lewis and his driving style. And that means that knowing what Lewis likes from a car and how he is, what makes him quick in a car, then they're going to compromise on things that he doesn't necessarily do in a car and really focus on the things right. that yeah. he does do. Right. Yep. So anyone else jumping in that car, it's it's it, to your point you, you can't wholesale change the second car you know that's very expensive to do so there is some compromising you're asking valerie botas or george russell or daniel ricardo to sort of accommodate what that car demands yeah and it's a tall ask in yeah. some cases but you know yeah. if you're a professional driver you should be able to do it there's always a degree where you, you know as a, if you're like a really pointy car and you're in a car that just understeers i mean that's it's gonna be difficult, right? Right. But, um, but maybe a good example of that is Charles Leclerc, right? Who came into that Ferrari program, very much a car designed around Sebastian. Mm-hmm. Remember the first part of the year, kind of really struggled, uh, but he said he went away and really right, rethought right. kind yeah. of his approach to driving. And yeah. then he came out and pretty much had the measure, right? Yeah. 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 So it was a good example of both, I think, um, Mm -hmm. in that sense. All right. Well, that does it for this podcast. Let us know what you think, except save all your, your, you know, acidic comments and vitriol for another forum because I'm not interested in all the the hate pieces and and all that good stuff. But share your opinion at theparkforme.com. Just do it to quorum civility as always. If you like the podcast, go over to iTunes, give us a good rating, show us some love there. Huge thank you to our Patreon supporters because we would not and could not do this uh, podcast without you. If you feel uh, inclined, you can go to theparkforme.com over on the right-hand side. It says support us. Click on that and you can support us for as little as a buck a month and uh, we would greatly appreciate that and uh, you can catch Paul and his team all of the wonderful people of Heart of Racing Mm. in a week and a half at uh, Long Beach Long Beach two cars baby Two cars. Two we, we had two cars for a very short time. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Let's hope we have two cars that make it to the finish. That's all I ask. Right, right. Yeah. Fun, exactly. fun event though. Yeah. Come on yeah. down. Yep. Long mm-hmm. Beach. Say hello. And uh, yep. the next race is Sochi. So Paul, you get a break. And that means next week we get to get Grace back on and let her wax poetic for an hour and get her yayas out about how excited she is about my Yeah. Once you so. stop yelling. You know, yeah, right, right. You're very exactly. hoarse by now. I don't <laughs> yeah, right. Good for her, though. Good for her. Exactly. Good for Grace. Yeah. So, all right. Until next week, this is Todd, a.k.a. Negative Camera, saying so long. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. I don't want to feel I've got to prove at all. I, I don't think I, I don't really want to prove anything. I started as an amateur not, uh, with no idea or no intention of uh, becoming world champion. It was. I was curious to find out um, what it was like to drive a car fast, to drive on a certain circuit to drive a certain type of car.